following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Acts chapter 4? And uh, we're going to continue the series that uh, we started at the beginning of uh, July on uh, the journey of discipleship, the discipleship journey. And, um, and it's an invitation for you to, to embrace this journey of uh, what Jesus asked us to do, to make disciples. And, you know, it's not just becoming a Christian. I, I love that. And uh, baptism is part of that journey. And I really believe that baptism is the first step after becoming a Christian in the discipleship journey because it's the beginning of obedience. And it's the beginning of obedience. And so we've been sharing, well, what does it take to be a disciple? And I think it was just said so beautifully this morning, Discipleship is about loving God and loving people. And, um, and so it's learning about loving God and loving people. But then we add to that loving the godly lifestyle because it's about a behavior change. It's not just about a doctrine or a belief system. It's about a behavior change. And Jesus came to change us and to make us like him. So there's something about a disciple that loves the godly lifestyle, that loves doing life being a role model of Jesus. The number four, a disciple loves to share Jesus because you will always talk about what you love. And uh, number five, this is what I want to talk about this morning, is this a disciple loves God's family. There is something about loving people, then there's another thing about loving God's family. So it's wonderful what we're able to do for people in our community that aren't even yet part of our family, but they're part of our community and we love our community. But there is just something about family. How many of you know you can choose your friends, but you're stuck with family? How many of you discovered that already? I love this Acts chapter 4 because for me, this, is, this captures what loving God's family is all about. Let's, let's read it together. It says... In verses uh, 33 to 34. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. I, I think a lot of people, that's what they want. They want, yeah, let's do power. Whoa, power ministry, power evangelism, power, power, power. And that's wonderful. Then, uh, you know, we're witnesses of the resurrection. We're witnesses of Jesus died and rose from the dead. And we give testimony to that. That's awesome. Then it goes and it says, and great grace was upon them all. And, and this amazing message of God's grace, amazing grace. And, and uh, we want to communicate that because it is a message of grace, God's grace reaching out to us. And, but they're all messages and they're all focal points. But I think that the next part is what I want to focus on because that's almost on the side but in actual fact, it becomes a central theme when we do church the way God wants us to do church. Because the next part of the verse is so powerful. It says, Now there was, nor was there anyone among them who lacked. So it's talking about God's family, it's talking about the church. And it's saying that in the New Testament church, not only do they have incredible power and incredible preaching and incredible grace, but they actually got to a point where in the church, there was not one person that lacked. 
In other words, all the needs were being met internally. What incredible testimony that is. And then it goes on and it says why all the needs were met, because people had compassion and, and they looked at their things and they looked at their things and they thought, you know what? God's given me this thing and I'm blessed by it. But you know what? I don't need it as much as I think I need it. And if I sell it, I'm actually able to meet somebody else's need. And if I dispose of it, I still have my needs met, but I'm actually able to meet the needs of others. And that became a focal point. You know what? That's got to be a focal point of family. Families look at each other's needs and they meet each other's needs. That's one of the defining aspects of family is that we, because we are in community, we actually find out what the needs are amongst us. And in actual fact, we go and meet those needs and that is what creates unity in family. Can I just say to you that one of the most powerful things that you can do in family is discover the needs and start meeting the needs. Can I talk to you husbands and wives that are out there, spouses? Dion and Simone, you're about to get married next week. Here's the secret of a happy marriage. Is find out what Simone's needs are, Dion, and then do your best to meet those needs. And you'll always have a happy wife. Simone, here it is. Find out Dion's needs and do your best to meet those needs. And so when Dion's needs are met, and Simone's needs are met, they're always going to be happy. Because misery comes in life when we have needs that are not being met. But when our needs are being met, we're happy. So if you need to have a roof over your head and you get a roof over your head, you're happy. If you need to have food in your stomach and you get food in your stomach, you're happy. Who's happy when they've got food in their stomach? Who's like a bear with a sore head when you're hungry? And uh, <laughs> just leave the person next to you alone. I know that uh, you want them to put their hand up, but that's okay. So it's, it's meeting each other's needs that becomes a very powerful force. Now, this is what happens when you truly love, is that you are actually compassionate enough to try to find out the needs of the people around you. So if you're a husband, why don't you ask your wife, Sweetheart, let's sit down. Let's talk. What are your needs? Rather than having her try to communicate them to you in all sorts of abstract ways that men are incredibly gifted at not understanding. We've got amazing gifts in that area. You know, unless we get knocked on the head with a 4B2, we sort of said, duh, I didn't know that. I've been trying to tell you for the last three years. Just sit down and communicate it in very simple terms. And then repeat back. So you're saying that you want me to talk to you. Okay, so talk to me. No, 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 no. You talk to me. Um, how does that work? Well, open your mouth and start speaking. So, so this is communication that needs to take place where needs are understood and needs are met. When that happens in a family... Everything begins to change. Someone said that um, a relationship with family is like two porcupines in the snow. Have you ever 
just, just picture two porcupines in the snow. What is, what is the defining description of a porcupine? They're prickly. How many, of you, how many of you know people that are prickly? Don't put up your hand. Because you all do. So, so, so the fact of the matter is this, is that every single one of us has a capacity and a propensity to be prickly. Amen? Me included. Now, the issue is this, is that when you're in the snow, it's cold out there. And what you need is the warmth that comes from two beings coming together. The only problem is the closer you get together, the more susceptibility you are to getting prickled. So what do the porcupines do? They realize out there we're going to die. We need each other. And so they actually adjust. They actually adjust the prickles to rather than, than create irritation, to sort of merge together so that it stops irritation, but they're able to get the warmth that comes from each other. So what the porcupines have learned is this magic word. Are you ready for this magic word? It's called adjustment. Everybody say adjustment. And if you want to do family well, you need to learn to adjust. You need to learn to give in a little bit. What? I'm not going to give in. She's going to give in to me because I'm the man of the house. You know what? If you've got to stand off, then let, can I just say the winner in a standoff is the person who gives in. You say, no, 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 they're the loser. No, no. The person that gives in is the strongest. Why is that? Because they have the strongest desire for a solution. You know, I know people that have been at standoffs for years. Now I'm in my corner and you're in your corner. And unless you move, man, I'm not moving because I'm right and you're wrong and I'm stronger than you are and I can stare you out. What is that? What is that? All that creates is disunity and disharmony in family. But you know who the winner is? The winner is, man, we've got a standoff. I'm willing to move. I'm willing to adjust. I'm willing to, to change something. Well, you're the champion. Why is that? Because as soon as you do that, the whole scenario changes. Because now the standoff has changed. You've moved from your place of, of immovability to a new place, and they've got to at least change their gaze. They've got to sort of work out, oh, so you've apologized. Um, you've said sorry. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I want to be angry with you a bit longer. But it's hard when you've said sorry. It's not, it's not fair. We, we, need to, we, we need to stand here at loggerheads for a lot longer. But, but I don't want to be at loggerheads any longer. I, I, just, I just want us to be at peace, not at war. How many of you know that it's really hard to stay angry continually with someone that says, what do I need to do to adjust? It's very powerful when you adjust in that respect. Can I just share with you just three principles that, that, that will help you to live life and get on with family? Are you ready for this? Three principles. Number one, choose to live life gloriously. You say, choose to live life gloriously. Yes, I want to live life gloriously, not miserably. 
How do you live life gloriously? Well, just by having a sweet spirit, you live life gloriously. Just by not being a bitter person. When I wake up in the morning, I don't want to be... I want to say, good morning, sweetheart. How are you going? That especially works for me after I've had a shower. I'm ready for that. Before I have a shower, it's like, where is the bathroom? Okay, now, and, uh, and, and, but once I've had my shower, that's it. I'm ready for good morning. It's wonderful. Big smile on your face. Come on, everybody put on a happy face. Turn to the person next to you and see a happy face. You need to see a happy face. Were you poking your tongue out there? I saw that. Happy face. Happy face. Because let me tell you, it's hard to stay angry with a happy face. It really is. A happy face reflects a happy heart. And it's just so important to have a happy face which reflects a happy disposition, which reflects a positive attitude. Hey, I want to recommend a book. Books by Dr. Carolyn Leaf. And Carolyn Leaf has written a book that probably... The most powerful part of the, the, the title is Controlling Toxic Thoughts. Controlling Toxic Thoughts. And so she's got a PhD in brain chemistry. And she's discovered this correlation between your health and the way you think. And do you know what? It's biblical. Why is it biblical? Well, well Philippians 4.8 Paul was the first PhD in brain chemistry. And he didn't get a PhD. In, in Philippians 4.8, Paul says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. Everybody say lovely. lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, then meditate on these things. You've got to fill your mind with happy thoughts, positive thoughts, things that are positive. Because if your mind is filled with negativity, it's going to tear you down. You were not designed to function on negative thoughts, toxic thoughts. You were designed to function on positive. And that's how you live a glorious life. You've got to choose to live a glorious life rather than an angry life. And if you can live a glorious life, you know what? You will be easier to live with. And you will be a joy to live with. And you will just, you, you know, it's just, just wonderful to be with. Do you know, of all the people in the world, I love being the most with my wife. Why is that? Because she lives a glorious life. I love doing life with Anne. I love the fact that she laughs a lot. I love the fact that she laughs at my jokes. I love the. F- I've got a little alter, a little alter ego, and she loves my little alter ego. And it's just, you say, "What? You're a bit psychotic." Yeah, a bit of that. But uh, but we found ways to really enjoy life. And love being with each other. So, I mean, we were, on, we were together every single day, almost 24 hours a day, 
for the last month or so. And, and, and then we had to go back to work. And it's like, I miss you. It's just, so what is that? He said, what is that? After 33 years, how can you do that? By simply living a glorious life. By simply having positive attitudes to each other. By simply being each other's best friends, best supporter, biggest encourager, motivator. You can do that by matter of choice. You say, but, but you've always had that. No, we, we, we went through some struggles. Let me tell you, our first year of marriage was not an easy year. It was, I, you know, I, pr- many times I would come home thinking, what have I done? <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was, it was interesting, let me tell you. It was interesting because when two strong personalities come together, baby, there's a lot of adjusting. When two porcupines come together and they got big spikes, there's a lot of adjusting. But you know what? Over three decades, we've made a lot of adjustments. And uh, I've learned the two most important words to have a happy marriage. What's that? Yes, dear. And she's learnt the two most important words to have a happy marriage. And that's yes, dear, as well. And so we say a lot more yes to each other than no. So can you hear what I'm saying? This is really so important that to live a glorious life, you've got to have a sweet spirit, a happy face, a positive attitude. Secondly, here it is. If you want to learn to live well in family, not only do you need to live gloriously, you also need to forgive graciously. You need to forgive graciously. Everybody say, forgive graciously. graciously. You know what the centerpiece of Christianity is? Here's the centerpiece of Christianity is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. In other words, the centerpiece of Christianity is God forgiving us. Isn't that the centerpiece of Christianity? How many of you are happy that your sins are forgiven? So why are we so reluctant to forgive the sins of others? So why are we so thrilled to receive forgiveness from God, but reluctant to give that same forgiveness to others? Well, because they hurt me. What? And we never hurt God when we sinned. So, so what? God was never offended by your sins? Yes, he was. Well, well why can't you forgive others? Because it's an attitude that we need to adopt. And do you know what my new mantra in life is? You say, oh, you're using all these words. Well, well my, my new motto in life is that I want to learn to live life unoffendable. And that's my new motto in life. I'm choosing to live life unoffendable. I don't care what people do and say to me. Well, I do. But you know what? I'm not going to let it into my spirit. Because people will always say nice things. And then there's people that will always say nasty things. But you know what? You make a choice as to what you're going to hang on to. And, and, and the fact of the matter is this, is that you can't stop people offending you, but you can stop becoming offended. So you can't stop what people say to you, but you can't stop what they say sticking to your spirit. I was actually talking to John Bevere about this in April when I was in the States. We were having this conversation. And you know what he said to me? He says, John, I call it becoming Teflon coated. 
I said, I love that. I'm going to use that. And if after I say it three times, it's as I always say, rather than as John Bevere says, uh, to become Teflon coated is this, is that people can throw stuff at you, but when you're Teflon coated, it doesn't stick. So you choose whether you're going to be offended or not. You choose whether you're going to live in offense or just, or just release it. But what if they keep doing the same stuff all the time? The Teflon just gets thicker. It just, well, after you've learned to forgive them once, it becomes easy to learn to give them, forgive them twice and three times and four times. And then you get to a point, well, well, you know what? That's them. And if I can't change them, I can certainly change me and my response. So not only are you called, if you want to do family well, to live gloriously, but to forgive graciously. And thirdly, choose to give generously. Here it is. Live gloriously. Forgive graciously and give generously. Generosity. Come on, be a person that is a giver. Give love. Be generous in the giving of your love. Don't be stingy in the giving of your love. Give armloads of love out. You know, the thing with love is that there is a copious supply. The more you give, the more you have to give. So love is not, it's, it comes from this endless fountain that's there. You know, the, the amazing thing is this. We had a family here last week that's got seven children. Seven children. And Anne asked, you know what, are you going to have any more? He says, yes. Sometimes we look at the dinner table and we see the seven kids. And we think, you know what, there could be, there could be more at this table than the seven. He said, how do you do that? Well, they draw from this incredible fountain of love and there's plenty of love for, for the first one and plenty of love for the second and plenty of love for the third and plenty of love for the fourth, plenty of love for the fifth, the sixth, the seventh. And if number eight comes along, well, there's plenty of love for them because it's, it's not a limited supply. Love is an endless supply if you're willing to connect there. So love generously. Be one of these people where you love generously. You, you are just constantly giving it away. Love generously. Be kind generously. Speak, speak words of comfort and words of encouragement. Do you know you've got an endless supply of words to encourage people? Whatever you do, don't leave the building today without encouraging someone. Find one of the people that were baptized and go and encourage them. Tell them what a great thing you've done. Bless them. Encourage them. If, if you've got a word of encouragement, write it out. Give it to the information desk. Make sure that you encourage people. People thrive under encouragement. fact is too many people have been brought up under a spirit of discouragement. And we need to break that in the name of Jesus. And let me tell you, families that are generous in their encouragement are happy families. Families that are stingy in their encouragement of miserable families. Be kind. Give gifts. Meet the needs of others. Here's another one. Be, be quick to give an apology. Do you know what? If you don't give an apology, there is something wrong with you. And what's that? It means you think you're perfect. You think you're never wrong. And let me tell you, that is a fault. Because the fact is, only Jesus is perfect. The rest of us... We're working on our salvation with fear and trembling. And for us to give an apology and a heartfelt apology will always win the day. For you to, to be stingy with your apologies because of your insecurity 
or because of your search for significance or because you think that you're perfect will only destroy relationships and will always make it difficult to work with. Thanks, Dave, for coming up. Fact of the matter is this, that those that are generous with apology and heartfelt apology will always win the day. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry for, I'm sorry for offending you. I'm sorry for not being aware of you. I'm sorry for ignoring you. I'm sorry for, for what I did that hurt you. I'm, I really apologize. And then you add to your apology, what can I do to make it better? See, an apology without that second bit is really not a heartfelt apology. What can I do to make it better? Everybody say, what can I do to make it better? Do you know, as soon as you ask that question, then your apology takes on a whole new level of significance. It says, it's heartfelt. It says, you know what, he doesn't want to just continue, or she doesn't want to continue doing wrong. They want to do something better. And you know what, when you start doing those three things, living gloriously, forgiving graciously, and giving generously, how can you have bad family relationships. It's all going to turn around. I'm telling you, this is gold. This is so precious for you. And it will help us maximize life because this is what Jesus came to teach us. And this will help you. Some of you are sitting there saying, John, it's so hard because that's what I want the other person to do. Do you know my advice to you is this? You know what? You can't change the other person, but you can change yourself. You can't force this on anybody else, but you can absorb it yourself. So rather than looking at the person next to you and say, see, he's preaching at you. See, he's preaching at you. He's telling you, you've got to live graciously. You've got to forgive. Sorry, you've got to live gloriously. You've got to forgive graciously. You've got to give generously. So you know what? I heard Pastor John, I'm going to make a decision today. I am going to live gloriously. I am going to forgive graciously. I am going to give generously. How many of you want to do that? Huh? If you want to do that? Come on. If you want to do that, I want you to just open up the palms of your hands to heaven. And I want you to say this. Father God, I come before your presence. Because I want to live gloriously. I want to live life with a happy face, a positive attitude, a great disposition. Help me, Lord. I want to forgive graciously. Give me strength, Lord, to forgive the hurts. Give me strength to cancel the debts. To start afresh. afresh. And help me, Lord, Lord, to give generously. generously. Out of an overflowing heart, heart, I want my relationships relationships to be strong and healthy. healthy. In Jesus' name, name. Amen. amen. Father, I just pray for every person that prayed that prayer that you will truly give them strength to do so. I pray, Lord, that you'll give them strength to enjoy life, maximize life, do family well. As a church, Lord, let this be the centerpiece of what we do as a church, Lord. As as a church family, help us to live gloriously. Help us to forgive graciously. 
Help us to give generously in all that we do, in the way we do life, Lord. Help us to be those people so that family can be such a beautiful place to be in because that environment has been changed by you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 